attentive. Tight is my son, the saying is sure. I desire you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men. But avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. As for a man who is factious, after admonishing him once or twice, knowing that such a person is perverted and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to apply themselves to good deeds, so as to help cases of urgent need, and not to be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you. A city sat on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom. 
Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we commemorate the Holy Fathers who gathered together in Chalcedon in the 5th century and they gave to us the most classic definition that we have of who Jesus is as both God and man, having a human nature and a divine nature that are in union without confusion. So that God being fully man is not at all changed by the fact that that human nature is united to the divine nature that he shares in common with the Father and the Spirit. And so all of Christianity today understands Christ correctly because of what was explicated and explained at this council in Chalcedon. And yet these fathers, who gather from all over the world, they did not say anything new. They did not say anything of their own. They did not go out on a limb. They took what Christ had handed down to the apostles and those apostles down to their successors and those successors down to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. The same fullness of the apostolic faith with the exact same interpretation that had come before them until these 630 God-bearing fathers filled with the Holy Spirit said, just as the Apostle said in the book of Acts, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we believe that Christ is fully God and fully man in one nature without confusion. So that whatever is ill in mankind is now sanctified by its union with the divine. And the rightful place of the human being, being made in the image of God and called to be like God, can now be seen in Jesus. That humanity is always meant to be united to the divinity. And that the rightful place of mankind is at the right hand of God in the kingdom forever and ever and ever. Growing from glory to glory to glory. And it's for this reason, remembering this council and all the councils, these fathers and all of the fathers, that the church chooses this gospel passage from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And it's a short gospel passage, but it's full of power and meaning. The Lord said to His disciples, just as He says to us, You are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel. But they put that light on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Chrysostom says in the 4th century that Jesus is not teaching his disciples to be filled with vainglory. He's not, let, he's not teaching them to do good works so that people will say, Wow, what a great young man you are, Athanasios. But he says, Jesus is teaching his disciples to let his light shine through them, to adorn their heart and their mind and their soul and their lips and their senses and their deeds with virtue. To fulfill the commandments of Christ because the commandments reveal the character of God. The commandments are not just things that God says that He thinks we should do. They express God Himself and they express us in our trueness because we're made in His image. When we fulfill the commandments of God, it is actually good for us. It helps us to run and operate and think and act according to our nature. When we do not fulfill the commandments of Christ, we actually act in contrary to our nature. We act in a way that is unnatural to us and is for this reason that it is an abomination to God. It is unnatural. It does not express our true humanity because we are in the image of God. But when we do fulfill His commandments, when we do act according to our nature, then our light shines. It shines with virtue. And people see it. And they don't give us praise. They don't glorify us. But they give praise and glory to God who we are imitating. And I want you to notice that it doesn't say, You are the light of Beaverton. You are the light of the White family. You are the light in the room. You are the light of the world. The whole world was watching the first century disciples. The whole world is watching us right now. And it's interesting that when the disciples were sent out into the world, what kind of world were they sent out into? The Jewish world did not accept the Messiah. Some thought he was a good teacher. Some maybe thought that he might be a a prophet. Many of them thought that he was a blasphemer. That he was leading a heretical sect. But none of them thought that he was God. The pagan Greek world, the nations... They were in darkness. They had truth. We know that. We know that the ancient Greek philosophers had truth. But they did not have the fullness of truth. And they were propagating a distorted understanding of life. 
of the world, of God, of nature, of creation, of good, of evil. And they were doing things that were heinous before God. And these disciples were sent out as lights in that darkness. Now how about us? What kind of world is God sending us out into to be lights of the world? To let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and give praise and glory and thanks to God. I would propose that it might even be a more difficult proposition for us. Because people have gone from the light to the darkness and now we are being sent out again as lights. They have been inoculated and anesthetized and desensitized and they don't want to hear any more words. Words are cheap. But they need godly witnesses to go with words. The words need to be spiced with salt and with light and with truth and with self-sacrifice and with virtue and with love. I want to read to you a couple passages. Both of them from the Gospel of John. And you don't have them before you, and so you'll have to concentrate. This first one comes from John chapter 1. And the Word, referring to Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh. And He has dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And we have beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And from His fullness have we all received grace upon grace. And keep in mind, when we say the word grace, we are talking about God's fully divine, uncreated divine energies transferred to us. Something that we can receive, that can be communicated to us. God has created us with the ability to receive these energies, to become like Him. This is what we understand to mean when we say grace. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has made God known. So when you think about the disciples and yourself as a disciple being the light of the world, it is not your light that you are allowing to shine forth from you. It is the grace and the truth of God the Father revealed to us through God the Son and allowed to shine through us through God the Holy Spirit that we are being called to emanate and shine forth to the whole world. The next passage I want to read to you is from John chapter 17 in Jesus' high priestly prayer. Verses 14 through 18. I have given them your word, Jesus says to the Father. Notice that He is the word. And He has given the disciples Himself. 
and all of His actions and all of His teachings and commandments and all of that that would fill up more books than the world could hold is what Jesus has given His disciples when He says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. If you think that the world is going to understand you, if you are like God, that you will be loved, that you will be popular, that you will be accepted because you are like Christ, then you are deceived. The world will hate you just as it hated Jesus, just as it hated these disciples, because you are in the world but not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Notice he didn't say keep them from deprivation. Keep them from poverty. Keep them from homelessness. Keep them well-dressed. Keep them in good jobs. Keep them driving nice cars. Keep their bank accounts full. Keep them even in good health. He doesn't say that. He says, keep them from the evil one. The evil one is the only one who can take away our life if we let him. But none of these other things can separate us from the love of God. None of these other things can separate us from the truth of God. Only the liar and the deceiver and the one who divides. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Make them holy in your truth. Your word is truth. God's word that is true was the same when He gave the commandments on Mount Sinai, were the same when the prophets spoke by the Holy Spirit, were the same when Jesus came and was incarnate and dwelt in our midst full of grace and truth, were the same that He gave to the disciples in the first century. We're the same that He gave these Holy Fathers in Chalcedon in the 5th century. We're the same in the 18th century. And they are the same in the 21st century. God's truth will never, ever change. It is inviolate. It reveals His character, which is unchangeable. Someone told me one time, Responding to something very modern that was also very ancient. Well, God's truth is evolving. The church will come around to understand the way the world sees things today. Don't worry, Father. That is a lie. The truth, God's word, will never change. In order for people to be at peace with the church, we have to change. But in order to do that, we have to be not of the world, though we are in the world. Sanctify them in the, in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have now sent them into the world. So now I send all of you into this world. To let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and give glory to God. I want to close with one example that our church offers us today, and I wanted to not be remiss in ignoring this, simply because this church is filled with so many families with young children. And one concrete way that we can let our light shine as parents is in the stewardship of our parenthood, in the way that we relate to our children. I cannot tell you as parents what more of a sacred role that you have from God than to pass the baton of the fullness of faith to your children just as you received it, just as the disciples received it from Jesus Himself. Today we celebrate two members of one family. St. Macrina the Younger, the sister of St. Basil the Great, and Emilia, her mother. Now I want you to think about this. The grandmother, Macrina the Elder, is a canonized saint of the church. Her daughter, Emilia, is a canonized saint of the church. Emilia's five, and I don't know exactly how many children she had, but five of her children, the oldest sister, Macrina, who we commemorate today, Basil the Great, one of the greatest saints that the church has ever known, Gregory of Nyssa, along with St. Basil, who are two of the three Cappadocian fathers, Peter of Sebasti, and the youngest sister, Theosadia. Five siblings, canonized saints of the church, and not small ones. Can you imagine the light that Macrina the Elder allowed to shine forth in her life to produce Emilia? And Emilia, the light that shined forth in her life in order to have five of her children be canonized saints, and one of them called the Great. Don't dismiss what I'm saying. This is what God wants in your life. And those of you who are grandparents, those of you who are aunts and uncles, those of you who are godparents, those of you whose children are older, it is never, ever too late. Let your light so shine before men, before your own children, that your children may see your good works, your hearts and your minds adorned with virtue, the likeness of God made manifest in action and give glory to God. My dear brothers and sisters, we now live in a post-Christian world, a light that has gone out. And God sends us forth to shine that light once again, to shine it in such a way that people return to God. Amen.